Welcome to Bridges. I'm Monica Schmelter. Today we're going to start out in our book study of John in chapter four. And my pastor, Corey Tremble, is here. And Corey, it's always good to have you on Bridges. Thank you for having me again. Thanks. I know that you said, Corey, that kind of the Samaritan woman's is one of your favorite stories. It is one of my favorite stories. Uh, this is going to sound really cheesy. I hope when we get to heaven, I get to meet a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the people I want to meet is the Samaritan woman, because um, if we take chapter four and Jesus's interaction with this woman, it really sets a precedent of how we are to interact with the people around us, mm -hmm. regardless of how everyone else thinks about our relationship with, with non-believers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of opinion about that. Absolutely. A lot of thought. I know that many of you might think that we shouldn't have relationships with people who don't believe in Christ, or you've been told that and you don't know what to do about all of that. And all I would say to that is join us right now in John chapter mm -hmm. four and let's let Jesus do the talking because he opened up conversations with all kinds of whosoever's. You could spend, I, I'm sure someone's done it. You could write a whole book on just the interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Not just that he was talking to someone that it was very culturally inappropriate for mm -hmm. him to talk to, but how he spoke to this woman, yeah. both with, with grace and truth and love, um, but also a firmness. Yeah. And um, it's really a dynamic conversation. Yeah, it really is. Would you like to read some of the passages sure. and kind Let of me know which set ones. up the story? How about four through, uh, four through eight there? Four through eight, mm -hmm. yeah. So Jesus had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sinkar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was worn out from his journey and sat down at the well, and it was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said, Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So how is it for you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, can I pause there for a Absolutely. second? Absolutely. And this is Jesus's whole thing. Yeah. The ones that were outliers, the ones who were off limits, the ones who were too radical for the religious folks to talk to. Mm -hmm. This is where Jesus steps in. Yeah. And that gives me a lot of hope, Corey. It should give a lot of us a lot of hope. I he mean, did it for us. Yeah. He goes into this area, right? Mm-hmm. She's there, from what we understand, at the wrong time of the day. <laughs> Not the popular time to go get water. So maybe she's trying to hide out. She was the wrong nationality, mm -hmm. the wrong gender, and she was there at the wrong time. Yeah. And he talked to her, and he asked her for a drink of water. Right. When you think about that, in that day, like, today, men speak with women, you know. Sure. And, and it's not, in our culture anyway, it's not considered like, ah. But Jesus, being a leader, That's being right. a man... Being Jewish, those were all the wrong checkboxes right. to talk to her. Well, it's funny. If you put it in today's context, imagine if you walked into a coffee shop and you saw your pastor speaking to a transgendered man. Yeah. We would instantly step back and say, how, how dare he talk to him? Mm -hmm. That person is so lost. Right. And it is the exact same context as we see Jesus with the woman at the well. Exact same context. <laughs> I love it. You care if I read a little bit more? No, please. I love this. Yes. So in verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. She said, sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? 
if you are greater than our father Jacob, or you, he, she says, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well to drink from it himself, and so did his sons and his livestock. And then he goes in to talk about, it, it's funny how, how we miss what's right in front of us. He, he's not talking about water at all. Right. Jesus's point is not water. Jesus is saying, we all, we all approach material things as our source of strength and, and, and making it through life. And Jesus is saying, you came here for something physical, but I want to give you something deeper than that. Let me, let me challenge you to go deeper Mm -hmm. than just your physical needs. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's true for all of us. Absolutely. I think sometimes the only needs that we are initially able to articulate are material needs. Sometimes it takes a longer pause to go deeper, to see what is the root of all this that I'm experiencing, that I'm facing. And Jesus was not afraid to do that with this woman and to challenge her. No, and I was re- actually read this today, Monica, in, in something that I, I've read before, but, but what I think the woman, after Jesus says, I have something greater for you than just this water. I have mm-hmm. eternal living water for you. And then I think in verse 15, she's kind of being sarcastic and she says, okay, well, give me that. Exactly. Almost patronizing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've read it that way. Right. Like, you know, I mean, because you think about it from her perspective. So we know that Jesus knows he's the son of God. He is the word made flesh. He knows that. Right. What does she know? That she's been married a bunch of times and that people probably talk about her a lot. Oh. Right. And she might be thinking that maybe he was trying to set her up in some kind of fashion I, when I put myself in her shoes, I'm not sure what I would think if I had been that woman there. Probably the same thing. Yeah. I think there was a bit of her being uh, polite, mm-hmm. but, but also her just saying, you know, people promised. I'm sure a lot of men had promised her a lot of good things. Absolutely. And had fallen through on those things. Absolutely. And, you know, you get to a place in life where you have enough disappointments, right? And enough broken promises. And we just get all jaded. And it's like, okay, I'll take that. Sure. Yeah, give me a double dose of that. How about that? So, again, isn't this a fascinating mm-hmm. yeah, woman? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then in verse 16, I think Jesus, not in a mean way, but I think he humbles her. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he does not address the fact that she kind of sarcastically said, yes, give me the living water. But he says, go get your husband. Mm. And then now the door is open. Yeah. And he is yeah. he is now addressing. Yeah. He's getting past the, uh, the the surface level, and he said, "Now let's talk about why you're so unhappy. Yeah. Let's talk about why you're broken. Yeah. yeah. And I love the example that our elder brother, our Savior Jesus, is to us. Oh yes. That we can be kind and truthful and loving to people all at the same time, because he just did it in the best way. Because I'll meet people that'll be like, well, you know, you've just got to tell people the truth. You've just got to get in their face. I don't disagree that we need to be truthful with people. Well, and before Jesus kind of cuts to the core of her, he has had a conversation. Yeah. We talk about this a lot. I've talked about this on the show before. Before we have the right to say, well, maybe you're unhappy because of these choices. Right. We have to know a little bit about the person. We have to be vulnerable. We have to, we have Mm -hmm. to show that we care. Yes. And I think Jesus set this up really, really nicely. Yes. And then he, th- then he gets to, to the root. Go and get your husband. Go and get your husband. Mm. And then you can imagine this woman probably <laughs> instantly, her heart sank. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. And then he starts to tell her, uh, yeah. she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you said it correctly, but you have had a lot. Mm. And the guy you're with right now is not. 
So it's interesting. Jesus wants the best for this woman. Yes. He has put his reputation on the line Mm -hmm. for this woman. And it's not a condemnation because we know also from the Gospels that, that Jesus doesn't bring condemnation. But he's saying to her, there, there is a better way to do what you're doing. Yeah. Let me, intru- let me introduce to you something that is better than what you've always had. Mm-hmm. Not that you're, you're less important than anyone else. I'm not going to throw your mistakes in your face. I'm not going to condemn you. But let me show you a better path. Mm-hmm. Because the path you've always been on has led you to insecurity and cynicism. Obviously, she's very cynical. Like, and that's not what he wants for us. No. No, he does want the best for us. Yes. And he shows us in this example and in this conversation, he's not afraid to be honest. He's not afraid to be truthful. Hmm. He's not afraid to dig deeper. And she does continue with the conversation. And very positively, right? Yeah. And you see her whole countenance change because she, she says, there's going to come a time, right? You know, yeah. like like we're, we're waiting for the Messiah. And then again, the, the, the kind of big twist on the conversation, which we know, but as she's talking about one day the Christ is going to come and, and, and fix this mess. Mm-hmm. And then for, for him to look at her again, you can imagine if her, if her heart sank earlier when he looks at her and says, you're talking to him. Yeah. I'm the one. Yeah. What a wonderful story. Yeah. And that she responds after all of that in such a positive way. Yes. That her fears, her mistakes, all these husbands, right? All of that, it doesn't say that none of that ceases to matter, but what it says is that in spite of all that, she's willing to follow Christ and share him with others. And isn't that the truth that we all need for our lives? And look at what God does with someone who has a a, quite a checkered past, right? Look at look at how much grace God shows, look at what he does with her. And um this this little snippet, I mean just it's not even the whole chapter, it's just half the chapter. This little snippet shows how Jesus takes us and, and takes our eyes off just the things we can see and puts our eyes on on him in the spiritual and grace and mercy. And the whole thing that this book's about is really encompassed in the story of the woman at the well. Yeah. And that same offer that he made to her is to each one of us. Beautiful. Right. In whatever situation that you find yourself, be it that you're jaded, you're angry, or things have gone mostly as you've planned. Jesus offers us this opportunity to live outside of just our temporal needs, that duty and obligation and responsibility that we all have, right? The laundry that we do, the meals that we cook, the grocery ship, like we all have that. But sometimes the question is, in the midst of all that, are we willing to pause to look deeper, to consider this invitation from Jesus? And when you read through John, through the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the one thread is Jesus Christ. Mm. And then another one of the threads is that everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. We know not everyone will respond, but everyone is invited and welcome. And Corey, that can make people mad. Like I've been in church for years and mm. they'll, they'll be like, well, I don't think that person should get in on this. I don't think they do well enough. I don't think this, and that's not the heart of God. Well, and it's so interesting because one, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Two, uh, we start looking post-salvation, we, we have a tendency to look around and say, well, but they haven't earned this. Right. Forgetting the fact that none of us have earned it. Not one of us. Yes. So we've all been the woman at the well. Yes. Which knowing that we've all been the woman at the well should remind us that when we go out and interact with people, we should treat, uh, treat people the way that Jesus treated this woman. Mm-hmm. 
this is a model, a guideline for how we interact with the lost. Yeah. And it's all right there in the Bible. So the mind of God. Written. We just have to read it. So beautifully written. <laughs> we have to read it. We have to obey it. And uh, because truth, and I'm speaking of biblical truth, sure. changes everything. It gives us an entirely new landscape and perspective. It really, it not only humbles us, it, 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 when, again, when the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation, but to set us free of that mm-hmm. condemnation. This story is all about that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I've thought about her often in terms of, okay, so you have this encounter and, you know, as you study with us in the book of John and and read all of it, we know that the disciples find themselves like, oh my goodness, Jesus, why are you talking to her? (laughs) Well, they even say that they walk up and they're like, you know, you can almost see them kind of gasp. Mm -hmm. Like he shouldn't be talking to a woman, let alone that woman, right? Everyone knows about that woman. But this is the beauty of Jesus. And again, in our current society, when we say, well, I'll talk to lost people, but I want to talk to that lost people, yeah. that, that, that lost person. And um, Jesus's intent is, is for us to not be isolated from the world, but to be so insulated by his spirit. Amen. That we go into the darkest corners around the darkest people, right? Even though I've been pretty dark in my day, that, that we can go into those situations and not be intimidated or afraid, but, right. but bring that light. Going back to chapter one, to bring that light mm-hmm. into the darkness. Yes. Yeah, because he's the light of the world, we don't have to be afraid of the dark. Amen. As long as we choose his light and his truth, we don't have to be afraid of the dark. That's right. We don't have to be afraid of people that are marginalized or oppressed. We can go into all of those corners with love and with truth and with the holy mission from God. We, we were talking, I was talking to uh, a couple of your staff here um, on your team and uh, a good friend of mine, I won't mention his name, um, He's a gay man married to another man, and, and he knows that I do not agree with his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I do not agree with it. I remember the first time we really spent a lot of time together. Um, we were riding around in my car around town real late at night. We hadn't gone and seen a movie together, and, and we're just talking, and he's telling me his whole life story. Mm-hmm. And um, throughout the course of just talking and getting to know this individual, um, he told me that when he was a child, uh, he was violently raped by an uncle weekly. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the story, the reason I bring up such a graphic story is we're so quick to look at people right. to make assumptions, judgments, and even though their lifestyles are wrong, mm-hmm. I think what we fail to see and what Jesus models for us so well here is if we will talk a little bit, then you start to understand where the pain comes from. And though we do not agree, we start to have sympathy, we start to empathize, we start to reach out more like Christ, and we say, listen, I know that the things you're doing may temporarily make you feel better, but there's something that will permanently, permanently change you. That's right. That's the story. That's right. And I think too, Corey, that the more that we position ourselves to lean into the word of God, Mm. to read it regularly, to obey it, the more that we'll find that the character of Christ is formed in us so that we're not so uh, weirded out when we meet someone that, that, we're not just so struck by their lifestyle, but that we're struck by their, the, the love that God has for them and reaching out in the middle of that lifestyle with real care and compassion, not just That's to right. make them like us, but for them to experience divine transformation, and freedom, rebirth, freedom. Because you wonder if this woman, you wonder what her situation was with her father. Right. If she had a father. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, it, it, what a fascinating depiction of humanity and what a fascinating depiction of, of our savior. Yeah. And that she overcame 
that encounter with Christ, her failures, all of those things, not that they magically disappeared. We know that our, our slate is uh, wiped clean when we cleanse by the blood of Jesus. But in spite of the life that she lived, she went back into that same town and brought people to hear Christ. To me, that speaks of some power, Corey. Like that is powerful transformation. You know that some of her former husbands probably had to live in that town. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so, again, this is a woman who was so touched by God that that her reputation, her past, her mistakes did not hinder her from going and touching the hearts of others. And I would make the argument that those people who have made um, so many mistakes and dug such a hole that when God brings them out of that ditch, Mm -hmm. they can become exceptionally influential and powerful because of that that testimony. Absolutely. Because to whom, right, much has been forgiven, right? There's much love. Uh, and so there's that sense of we all need God desperately. That's right. But sometimes there are times we have gotten ourselves in such a bad place. It's such a desperation. And if we can just surrender to his love, he can work in our lives like this woman. That's right. What a great story. It is. One of my favorites. It is one of my favorites, too. It it really um, crosses all of the dividing lines. It really does. And shows us that everyone is invited. Absolutely. It really does. Jesus, Corey, talks in John 6 about being the bread of life. So hear a little bit about thirsty and water and being the bread of life. And in John 6, and I'm looking like at verse 35, and I'll read just a couple of verses there. It says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. And so, Corey, we see in these scriptures that Jesus talks about being, you know, the light of the world, being the bread of life, using physical comparisons and then drawing spiritual comparisons. But his heart again, like when I think about the Samaritan woman, when I think about this in John 6, he's saying that the heart of God is not to lose one of us. Mm. That is a very interesting thing to say, because uh, something that is a hard truth is God is sovereign. He knows everything. Nothing happens outside of his uh, sovereignty. But the will of God is not always, uh, does not always come to fulfillment. Right. Because it is not God's will that anyone go to hell. That's yet right. People are lost. Yes. But we see the heart of God. It's interesting. What you just read comes on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000, mm-hmm. which was probably more in the ballpark of 15,000 because yeah. it just counts the men. And then it comes on the heels of him walking on water. So you have... It's fascinating. You have the, the, the food and that the people were there to, to hear Jesus speak before he miraculously fed them. Mm-hmm. So they weren't there just for the free meal. The free meal was kind of a bonus to, yeah. to them coming to him first. Mm-hmm. So we learn in this whole bread of life thing that even above food and water, we have to have this relationship with Jesus. Yes. And that if we have that relationship with Jesus, he will provide what he wants to provide, when we need it, how he sees that we need it. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, the story of the walking on the water, right? That, that, that Peter is afraid of the elements mm-hmm. and that Jesus shows him that, that I'm above the elements, above food and water, above uh, uh, the physical elements. Just, just make sure your eyes are on me yeah. and all these things will be taken care of. Again, the simplicity of it, but we miss the simplicity. Yeah, yeah, because it's, I think our minds want to understand and we just think that in our humanity that there must be something more and you know yet as you said these people come out to hear him speak they don't know that free food is coming but they have that desire and I think of you know in the scriptures of Matthew that talk about if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all these things will be added unto us and I know that that can be misquoted and misapplied yes but you straighten that out when when you said he supplies what we need what he thinks, what he knows that we need. And when we need it, it's not an on-demand thing that if I serve God and put his word first, that he's going to do this, this, and this. Well, and my thinking on that had changed in the last couple of years uh, because I would be one that would say, man, if you just put God first, he'll provide food, he'll provide Mm -hmm. shelter. Well, there are times when he did not provide food, he did not provide shelter, he did Mm -hmm. not provide protection. That's right. But even in his wisdom and sovereignty, there have been times in my life when I have lacked things and I think God has allowed me to lack things because my dependency on him goes up. Yes. And, and I think God knows us better than we know ourselves. Yes. So some of us may need to starve in order for God to, to get our attention and for our reliance to be on him. Right. It is this, it is this um, kind of unbridled trust in his, his knowledge and, and his will, and that, that can be a scary place. Uh-huh. But, but over time, Monica, you and I, you've been a Christian longer than me, but, but even in my time as a Christian, God starts to build a reputation in you. Yeah. Have I ever let you down, Corey? No, I can't think of a time you have. Right. So trust me again. Right, and that's how trust and maturity grow. That's it. It's still, you know, if we're honest, there are times it is scary. Who wants to think that there would be a situation where we might lose our home or be hungry or lose a job. I don't want to think about any of those things. If it things. weren't scary at times, it wouldn't be faith, would exactly. it? Exactly. But you come to a place in faith and, and hopefully in maturity that we come to this place that we can say, you know, no matter what comes down the pike, I'm going to be faithful to Christ. That's right. I'm going to invite all people that are in you know, my circle that I get to interact with to come to Christ. I want to give that opportunity as I'm able to have conversations. And even if I go through rough times, then I'm going to stay faithful to God. And I think that as we grow in faith, that turn begins to happen. And again, throughout the gospels, Jesus puts our life in perspective. When Jesus says your life is like a vapor, Mm -hmm. um, you're not promised tomorrow. I I think us locking away in the back of our brains that um, this is not our home. Our home is on the other side of this life. So even if I starve to death, if I have Christ, I may starve to death, but I wake up in paradise with Christ. So yes. it's keeping that locked away. Yeah. That this life is temporal. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's so much a gist, that's so much a part of it that sometimes, Corey, I can get so caught up in this world, in planet Earth, and what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm experiencing, that I forget that heaven awaits all who have put their faith in Christ. And this life is, and the Bible says this, everything we do in this life, including our bodies, our looks, our every, it is all deteriorating. Yeah. 
unfortunately, right? Most when you get in your forties, you start yes. to feel it, right? Yes. So, um, yes. But it is a reminder that mm -hmm. it is it is literally all fleeting, yeah. all of it. And the more that we try to hold on to it, the more elusive that it is. The more unhappy that we get, it's ironic. right? You know, it really is. I think of the scripture that says, if you want to save your life, life, you have to lose it lose for Christ's it. sake. You have to lose it. So I have to lose those parts of Monica that are flesh, that are rooted in sinfulness, that are selfish. I have to lose that to gain Christ. So that's a fascinating statement. So, so again, you're going completely, what you just said is completely counter-cultural. Yeah. You and I live in a culture right now that says pursue you, yeah. pursue you. It doesn't matter if, if you burn every bridge, no pun intended, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter if you burn every bridge, doesn't matter if you hurt people's feelings, right. you do you and do it to the furthest degree that yeah. you possibly can. Yeah. And Jesus says the exact opposite. That's right. He says, no, 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 lose you, find me. And then ironically, once you find me, you'll understand who you are. That's right. That's right. Your true identity will become clear if you will lose yourself yeah. and pursue me. Most of the battles that we're fighting are because we're pursuing us. 100%. You know, we have an idea of what our life should look like, what it was going to be like at this age, whether that's we define that or that's our peer group or whatever, right? It's a dead end, isn't it? A way dead end. We just got real deep there, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> at, there's nothing good there. Nothing good. Nothing good there. And yet, the heart of Christ is that he would not lose anyone, but Amen. that all would come to know him, that everyone is invited. Well, I want you to stay with us. We're going to sure. do another uh, show here in just a moment, but it's been so good to chat with you about this. I'm so glad that all of you are with us as we study the book of John. Our intention here is to study scripture in context. We will have online resources and things up for you so that you can join and go deeper and go further in this study. As we looked at the woman at the well today in this passage of Jesus talking about his will, that he wishes that none would be lost. To understand that the heart of God is that everyone is invited. God loves everyone. Everyone is invited to Christ. And we have to make that choice and that commitment. So check us out on the website. We would love to pray with you. If you'd like prayer, we'll come back with more. We're out of time. We say goodbye and God bless you. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.